Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about the silver market. Believe me, like most of my podcasts, this is going to be a wide-ranging discussion that will bring in um, um, you know, just a discussion about a lot of other things that are going on in other markets, including the bond market and the stock market and all that, because I think we have to understand how those are affecting precious metals. Uh, and, and, and in the whole scheme of things, obviously, things like the bond market, interest rate markets, the stock market are extremely important. But I want to talk about why I think today's, or not today, but the move over the last few days in the precious metals market very well could be viewed as a as a fake out to the downside, especially in silver. It's been a, a pretty dismal few days over, uh, you know, going back to, to March 3rd, you know, we're talking silver, you know, how much longer is it going to stay below $27 an ounce, waiting for it to move back up to 28 range again. And then I got, you know, slammed repeatedly. Um, the biggest one maybe so far, you know, in the last week or so coming on on March 4th, where it was trading, you know, just north of $26 an ounce. And it got slammed, you know, roughly 60, 70 cents in that ballpark, probably 60 cents. Um, currently, as, as I'm recording this morning, uh, silver is trading at uh, 25.36. Gold, it has not been as much of a, you know, as much of a negative few days. And it actually has moved up a little bit today. Gold's currently trading just above 1700 at 1702 and 72 cents. And so of course we've seen the ratio move up as well. Uh, gold to silver ratio currently sitting at 67.2 as I'm recording this, uh, which is you know considerably higher than, than where it was you know, a week ago or um, or even longer you know, in the past when it was closer to you know, 65, 64. Now, why am I talking about this being a potential fake out in, in silver? Well, I'm not necessarily coming at this from a permable perspective. I've been in the silver market for some time and I've seen a lot of times where it not necessarily makes sense for silver to go down, but I'm not going to be bullish on it because I know that there's a good chance that it will go down and stay down for a long time for reasons A, B, and C, despite you know underlying fundamentals and, and all the other things that go into it. Uh, so that's not necessarily where I want to come at this from. I don't want to justify this and, and be just a constant cheerleader for the silver market regardless of reality. However, there are two major factors that come into play here that, that lead me to believe that this very well could be a fake out you know, as we kind of wrap up this week and head into the next week. If you want the too long didn't read or too long didn't listen version of it, it really comes down to two major, uh, two major factors. First of all, the physical market. The, the price to the downside, the move to the downside in the price is simply not reflective of what's going on in the physical market, which is really astounding. Uh, what's going on in the physical market. It's astounding and, and it is a very high amount of demand, high amount of, of, of physical investment demand in the last month or two that is kind of being stacked on top of a very high demand year and also a year in which the supply dropped once more because of decreased mining, um, mining supply coming onto the market, COVID-related business. And that's entirely separate from from what really caused or what would appear to have caused silver to go down in the last few days. Um, the, the other side here is is that what what appeared to have caused silver to go down over the last few few days, I think, is a short lived trend. So let's talk about that. We'll start there. Why has silver gone down so much in the last few days? Well, I think a big part of it, what you know, and I'm not saying that it makes sense all the time. Um, 
that that silver goes down or gold goes down every time this type of stuff happens. But a big part of it is the bond market. The bond market has had a rough um, few days, a few weeks, rough few months. Again, I talked about this recently. The bond market, you know, back in, of course, I'm talking about the U.S. bond market here. Um, back in August, early August, rates bottomed out the U.S. 10-year, um, you know, just above one half percent, just above 50 basis points. Um, I think at its at its low was was around 51 basis points. Um, today, it's sitting just shy of 160 basis points. You know, 1.6 just shy of 1.6% yield on the 10-year. That's a significant move to the downside in prices for, for you know, Treasury bonds. And, and Jerome Powell was speaking yesterday in regards to you know, the, you know, the broader markets, the things that Jerome Powell talks about. And there was a lot of, of hope that Jerome Powell would come out and, and announce some sort of relief for what was going on in the markets. Basically, yields were rising. Um, and of course, rising yields in a high debt economy is a very dangerous combination. Um, there, there's also, I talked about this earlier in the week, there's this you know slight rotation, I think, also out of stocks um, or even precious metals into bonds when, when, uh, when yields rise. And so you have Jerome Powell talking yesterday and, and you were, you know, a lot of people were hoping that he could um, offer some sort of relief. You know, uh, Zero Hedge was talking about um, SLR, which is a, uh, um, a potential change in policy um, that Jerome Powell could have announced. It's called the Supplementary Leverage Ratio. It, it has to do with, with banks and their, um, their, their reserve requirements basically you know and adjusting that could have offered some relief you know there's been talk about you know what type of, of qe or, or eventual yield curve control is going to occur from the federal reserve interest rates and basically he came out and he acted as though that a lot of this wasn't a huge concern of his he wasn't not a huge concern but he just wasn't concerned about it he he it, it was a what do they call it a nothing burger Nothing happened. And that was maybe the worst thing that could have happened for the stock market and for the bond market. Yields appear to be rising once again. There's a there's a bit of a liquidity problem in the treasury repo market. And you have the stock market moving down pretty significantly. Now, as I'm recording this right now, it's, it's actually up on the day. Um, the Dow Jones, as I'm recording right now, is up uh, around 200 points shortly after the markets have opened. Um, but as a whole, markets have been down because of this, you know, what would appear to be a lack of action by the Fed. And, and so what this reminds me of, now I remember this was back in, gosh, 20, I think it was late 2018, when when Chairman Powell came out and, and, and basically was overly hawkish in terms of policy. Um, the market freaked out because of it. This was this was a kind of freak out that was happening leading up to Christmas of that year, if I remember correctly. And and Jerome Powell responded by basically kind of giving in, capitulating to the markets. And I think the same thing is going to happen this time around. The longer it takes for Jerome Powell to to kind of come around on this, the more the market's going to drop, and the more he's going to have to come around on it in terms of offering support for the treasury markets, liquidity, quantitative easing, yield curve control, SLR, whatever. I mean, it's 
it's going to happen and it's going to happen sooner and to a greater extent the more the markets move to the downside and that is the same the same is true for precious metals so the more silver and gold move to the downside because of rising yields etc the sooner that's likely to reverse on the basis of Jerome Powell and the, the Fed reversing their own policies. So that's part of why I think this could be a fake out. Now that's fake out could take place over several days, weeks, you know, before, before the Fed finally comes around. But I do think it's going to happen, especially if markets really make Powell pay for, for his inaction in their, in their view. Um, because regardless of what Jerome Powell will say, he, the Fed has been for a long time beholden, been, been beholden to the markets and, and not the economy. You know, they talk about unemployment, they talk about inflation, whatever. Uh, ultimately, what they're beholden to is the stock market and, and you know, other markets as well. But the stock market is kind of the big public or not public, but uh, most visible um, measure of of how the economy is doing. At least that's how most people view it, even if that's not the case. But moving on to the second aspect of, of this, you know, silver fake out is the fact that this move to the downside entirely ignores the physical demand reality in in the silver and gold market. Namely, I'm talking about this huge amount of demand that we've seen in past weeks, past few months, that, like I said earlier, uh, is kind of being layered on top of a year of, of a ton of demand. 2020 was a big demand year for precious metals. A lot of that was COVID and, and, and economy related. Uh, 2021 is proven to potentially be a, a bigger year for, for silver demand. And this is being ignored again by, by the price going down in these last few days. Again, it would be like if all of a sudden you have this huge build um, and, and sorry, not build, um, um, drop in inventory on the oil market because of big demand, uh, even though supply is, is maybe staying steady, but the price still drop, drops a ton because of something happening in the treasury market or something happening in, in you know, something that the Fed chairman did or didn't say, um, ignoring the physical reality, the physical fundamentals. Uh, Steve St. Angelo over at the SRS Rocco Report um, he actually tweeted out uh, a figure. Um, this is some info from goldcharts.rs rs dot com that he uh, that he kind of compiled into his own style of graph, and it was showing the move. This is from February second to, to to March second time span. The change in inventory between the PSLV and the SLV. PSLV, of course, being the Sprott Physical Silver Trust, SLV being the iShares uh, Silver. ETF. Um, now, now, what what you would notice is that there's actually a pretty stark difference in these two because people have been choosing physical the physical trust so much more in the past uh, few weeks. Uh, Sprott has actually added 26 million ounces over that time frame, uh, moving up their total to around 125 million ounces at their most recent you know update on their Twitter account. 125 million ounces held in their trust. That's pretty significant. I mean, so we're talking, you know, two months ago, they probably had less than 100 million. And, and they've been around for a long time, this PSLV. And, and in the span of like a month, you know, they're adding 26 million ounces. That's a big deal in the physical market, especially since, you know, these large quantities of silver are, are really difficult to, to source. They, they, were man, they, they were able to. SLV, on the other hand, 
actually dropped their inventory by 72 million ounces. Now, is that important? I think to, to some it would seem very important, right? Who cares if Sprott added 26 million if SLV subtracted 72 million? I mean, you want to know where Sprott got their silver from if it's from SLV. But, but in reality, you know, we've seen iShares add millions, tens of millions of ounces in an extremely short time period at a rate that is just unrealistic, that they don't actually have that physical silver. Maybe they have a paper contract for some silver somewhere at the LVMA or elsewhere, but they haven't actually had that silver delivered. And that's kind of the, the key here. You guys know where I'm going with this, whether it's the Comex or the LVMA, SLV or PSLV. Do you really own it if, you not, if you're not holding it? In the case of PSLV, if you're a PSLV owner, um, I myself am currently, that's a valid question. But I know that Sprout Physical Trust is at least holding the physical silver, right? In the case of SLV, I have very little trust in that because of the rate at which they are able to add and subtract ounces. It's, it's a paper accounting game. It's not a physical game, right? And so you have to, you almost have to wonder, and of course that 72 million drop, a large amount of that drop was a reversal of a huge build in their inventory back in this, backing the SLV you know, ETF trust. Um, it's a reversal of that. And so I, I, I was kind of doubting that they were adding much of that silver in the first place in terms of physical. I think a lot of it was just a paper accounting game. Now the question we have to ask is, is when will, when will physical investors kind of wake up to this reality, uh, or I should say broader investors um, that, that do invest or otherwise hedge with things like SLV? I don't see a great justification for them to not choose PSLV at this point, especially if we are talking about some sort of a, a situation where where investors realize that you know, it's a paper accounting game. It's not actually physical silver backing the the actual um, the actual account, right? But but of course, this this physical demand for silver goes far beyond just these two ETFs. There's there's other ETFs, of course, as well that I'm that I'm neglecting. But even in terms of of physical bullion, you know, you can look at like the U.S. Mint numbers, which is just a fraction of silver demand. Um, in in uh, February of this year, uh, the U.S. Mint uh, states that in terms of, of U.S. Um, one-ounce American Eagles, uh, they sold um, 3.1915, so so just shy of 3.2 million ounces. Just shy of 3.2 million ounces for the month of February. Now, if you look back to 2020, again, that was before the COVID demand spike, uh, we're talking... Uh, 650,000 ounces, so not even a full million ounces, right? If you look at January, of, uh, and January is always a high demand month for, for silver um, for silver eagles because, because dealers are going to be restocking inventory for the new year and whatnot. If you look at January, uh, we're talking a little bit over 3.8 uh, million ounces last year. Um, this year, uh, over 4.7 million ounces right? Pretty significant jump to the upside. And already in March of this year, we're only in March, what, March 5th, I'm recording this. Um, they've already sold uh, over three quarters of a million ounces. 
and, and, and part of this with the U.S. Mint is I, I wonder how much of these numbers are actually um, really not even quite reflective of true silver demand because premiums on uh, these U.S. Mint coins have been so high and because I think the U.S. Mint at times has had difficulty, you know, putting out enough to, to meet demand because this is there's such a massive spike in demand in you know, late January and into February. But that's just the U.S. Mint, right? You know, you take February, 3.2 million ounces. You know, somebody do the math on that for the next 11, let's say for the 11 months. We'll exclude January because that's already a high demand month. But say 3.1 million ounces times the next 11 months. That alone is 34 million ounces from just the U.S. Mint. And, and, And the U.S. Mint is a great, you know, um, um, measuring stick for demand, but it's just a small segment of that demand, right? We're ignoring the huge amount of demand that is also accounted for by things like the the, the Royal Mint in the UK, um, obviously uh, the, the Royal Canadian Mint north of the border, uh, Libertad's south of the border, the Perth Mint, Chinese Pandas, and all these other sovereign coins, plus a massive amount of physical generic you know, bars and coins and, and Comex bars and whatever that are also changing hands and being bought by people that are buying physical silver. It's a huge spike in physical silver. And that's the second reason of why I think you know, this, this fake out, that, that that's what it is for the physical silver market. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, obviously, we've seen for years the, the, the physical market um, not reflected in the price of silver. You know, you look back to like 2015, 2016, those were huge demand years for silver. And, and hey, guess what? Investors during that time period were buying silver at, at a huge, uh, you know, discount or whatever. You know, if you look at a chart for 2015, silver's below $20 an ounce the whole time. In fact, at some point late in 2015, early 2016, it's below $15 an ounce. And yet demand was extremely high over that time period, right? Probably a lot of investors looking to buy on the dip. A lot of those investors, I bet, are still holding it at $15, $14. You know, that $15, $14, $16 silver. Um, and, and maybe to them, you know, $25, $26 sounds pretty good. Uh, we, we know that physical demand isn't always reflected in the market. But but I'm telling you guys that what we're seeing in 2021 which again is already on top of a high demand year last year, is really astounding. The amount of people moving money into PSLV or into physical silver is really astounding. And and it's simply not being reflected in this recent price drop. Um, so I guess, I mean, that's that's kind of the big point of what I'm talking about today. You know, I, I did want to talk briefly, and I feel like maybe I've already covered it, about Jerome Powell and, and his, you know, lack of action, the Fed and their lack of action. And my take on that basically, that's going to, um, that's going to change, that that's going to, uh, that the Fed is, is pretty quickly going to, to um, take action. They're going to, uh, Powell is going to, um, see the bond market moving up in terms of yields and, and down in terms of price. He's going to see uh, the, the stock market probably continue to struggle, even if you know thus far today it's it's having not too bad of a day. Um, he's going to see that happen, and he's he's going to get absolutely punished by the markets if he doesn't respond with something along the lines of yield curve control eventually. 
um, action on SLR, you know, liquidity injection to the market. I mean, the U.S. market these days is nothing more than, um, than, than a than a function of credit growth and liquidity growth, and and if Powell isn't willing to continue to provide that, then then he will be absolutely punished. As always, though, um, a lot of cover today. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast, and God bless.